Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We have a great topic for all of you, and this is a topic that you guys have been requesting. Um, the, the, we have designed today's podcast to give you guys the exact information that you need to have right now to know exactly what's happening in the market. Uh, I'm going to use the term national market a lot, but don't assume that I don't know that there is no such thing as a national market. There's only local markets. That's always true. But the same, si- same side, or say, at the same time, there is a national market because so many people are tuned into, frankly, the national market, and that's where they basically uh, make their own determinations about their local market. It's all psychology, guys, is what I'm trying to tell you. So the other day we did a really, really great interview um, with uh, Diane – oh, crap, all of a sudden I had a brain fart. Uh, Julie, can you jump on the site and see who that – give me your last name. I will find out for you. Okay, and she's she's the CEO of one of um, New York City's largest luxury – uh, Diane Ramirez, and she's the CEO of uh, New York City's largest, if, if not one of the largest, luxury real estate brands. An absolute class act. She's been in the business since '84. Just one of these people that, when you can, honestly, I don't know how much you guys have been around people like that, but when you can share the air, even even if it's virtual air on a podcast with someone like that. Anytime I'm given an opportunity to be around people like that, it's always incredibly uh, just I'm honored to because you're not just – you're talking with someone who's a real estate person all the rest of it, but you're talking about someone who has a net worth of hundreds of millions of dollars, if not a billion dollars. You're talking about talking to someone who's literally seen it all, been there, done that, not just once but like thousands of times. And when, when people like that uh, have anything to say about anything <laughs> – it's probably very well considered and you need to listen. Listen not just to what they say. Think about why they're saying it and what they say and how nuanced it is and the whole thing. I just – you know, she was fantastic. Okay. Sounds like I have a crush on her. I probably do. I'm a happily married man, but there you go. So here's the thing. She talked about what's happening in New York City as being a um, – you know, it's a complete turnaround. It's a buyer's market. Uh, some of our uh, our superstars, you guys know them from past interviews we've done, are on the uh, Million Dollar Listing New York show. You know, Frederick, Ryan, um, we have, don't have a new guy on yet, but there you go. So uh, we are in communication with them, obviously, scheduling them for future podcasts. Other people from New York City are all, you know, basically bottom line is New York City is in a complete buyer's market. The hot price points in New York City, $2.5 million, $3.5 million, $4.5 million. The days in the markets now are from, and those hot price points, for the most part, are now measured in years. So a $4.5 million house in New York City, maybe two and a half, three years ago, would have sold in less than 30 days with multiple offers, the whole thing, and now it's sitting on the market for over 400 days. You know, there's a lot of statistical things that are happening in New York City about lower price points even starting to take forever to sell. Why am I telling you all this? Who cares? You're in Columbus, Ohio, and you're Peoria, Peoria, Illinois, or you're in Austin, Texas. Why do you care about New York City? Because in the 20 years that we've been coaching agents, we've Julie and I have been through arguably six different recessions, the last one being the big one. 
we were probably most tuned in during the last one, and we saw, Julie and I saw, all of our coaches saw, the same type of slowdowns happening in these same types of ultra-high-end markets. So um, back the last slowdown we saw during 07, late 06, really middle 06 into 07, we saw slowdowns happening in San Diego, where there would be no inventory, where it was a, there was an inventory crisis. I just, you know, there's a great term for you. And then all of a sudden, the inventory would just shoot back up. So there would be like nothing for sale, then a lot for sale. Nothing for sale, then a lot for sale. And that sort of pendulum was swinging back and forth and to the point where there was a lot for sale and it didn't sell off. Um, there were some other things that happened, like New Century, uh, you know, subprime mortgage lender failed. That They were located in Irvine. There's some other, you know, dominoes started to fall. But uh, then we saw, at the same time, markets like, like uh, Las Vegas, they were experiencing the same things. And Las Vegas, to this day, guys, I forget the exact number, but something like 18% of all homeowners in Las Vegas are still underwater. Um, we saw uh, markets like just then you start looking at the ancillary markets. You looked at Miami and you looked at, at markets in Phoenix, Arizona, and all these other markets that were kind of cursory to where the center of the slowdown really happened, where, real, where it really officially started, where, and that was Southern California, right? So that's what happens because um, a lot of it's just a variety of reasons, but it's mostly honestly it's psychology. If someone says, Tim, why did the market slow down in New York City? You can't really say, well, this is why. You can only guess. The reason why, really, is that people believe that houses are not worth what people are asking for them, and, they're, and they don't have, they can't rationalize paying for them anymore, or they can't qualify to buy them if they're mortgaging, so, or they see other opportunities to, for other places to put their money if they're investors. So that's it. That's the whole, that's it, psychology. There's nothing like, there's no like dark cloud, you know, there's no alien ships sitting in over New York City where people just say, I'm getting out of New York City. It's just the psychology of the markets change. That's what causes people, that's what caused people back in 06 and 07 who had these subprime mortgages, you know, to stop making their mortgage payments because they didn't believe that there was going to be continued upside on these houses that a lot of them bought on speculation. They didn't see them as the winning lottery ticket that they had been for, say, five or six years prior to that. So they just stopped making their payments. And it wasn't just one. It was hundreds and thousands, and then it spread like a virus, and then people stopped. Basically, that's really where it started. So what I'm here to try to tell you so that you understand very clearly is that there will be no big announcement of a housing slowdown in the press. There will be no big announcement, probably at your brokerage or your office meeting. It'll be up to you to pay attention to the numbers and really know the statistics so you can be prepared yourself. Fortunately, back in 06, 07, 08, Julie and I were coaching agents, and all those agents, we were not shy about telling them what we were seeing. I cannot tell you that all of them listened to us because many of them didn't because many people's de facto, especially when they're in sales, is that, oh, that's, that's pessimistic. I don't want to hear that. That's bad news. You know, How can I sell if it's bad news? I need to feel optimistic. Some of them listened, and they said, okay, Tim, I get it, um, because they understood intuitively, and I'm hoping you understand this as well, listeners, that it doesn't friggin' matter what direction the economy is going for the sake of your personal economy. Uh, there were uh, pockets of housing around the country that did incredibly well during the recession. This is, again, 11 or 12 years ago. Ancient history for many of you who didn't live through it. I get it, especially many of you weren't in the real estate business, but I'm just enlightening you to what you may have to look forward to depending on your actual market. Coastal real estate kicked butt. You know, 
there, it didn't increase in value necessarily, but it didn't lose value. So there were lots of pockets of housing that did really well, and there were, there were lots of agents, lots of realtors, lots of brokerages who did extremely well. The ones that did extremely well were the ones who were focused on listings, knew how to take listings, knew how to price, you know, price the houses correctly for the market, knew how to get properties sold. Because no matter how bad the economy is, no matter how high the interest rates are, no matter any of this little extraneous stuff that people like to throw around, people will always need to buy and sell real estate, always have the reason to sell, always have half to sell situations in their lives. Can't afford it, divorce, bankruptcy, forced relocation, house is too small, we have a third kid on the way, house is too big, we can't go upstairs. There's always going to be reasons, divorce, I'm sorry, a probate, you know, there's always going to be reasons that houses need to be sold. You just have to have the skill set to be able to thrive in markets that are transitionary, like the one we're going to be entering into. That's it. So don't be fearful of it. If you do feel fear and you do feel that you can only survive in a market where it's a seller's market, like, again, I know most of you have only been in the business for the last 10 years, so you don't really know what it's like. And so I hope you're listening to me to save yourself and your family a lot of financial strain and pain. But if you, if, if you have the skill set, that will be completely different, mostly, than the skill set you have now. If you have it, you have nothing to fear. And here's what's really interesting, because so few owners of real estate brokerages and agents, so few of them will actually be ahead of the curve with learning how to price, learning how to list houses, learning how to really thrive in a changing market, let alone one that's a distinct buyer's market, because so few people will do that ahead of time. Most of them will wait too long, and they'll lose market share. They might even lose their businesses. They might even go into bankruptcy because they waited too long. That's what happened last time. People were in denial about it to the point where they couldn't financially dig themselves out of a hole. So what I'm here to tell you, and this is, again, me just being direct and honest with you guys, tactical and practical, depending on where you are in the country, you're going to start seeing a housing slowdown. There's no doubt about it. And I know some of you, like Ben Salem on my coaching call with him this morning, one of the top agents in L.A., I told him the same news, and he said, L.A. is in an inventory crisis. And he's right, but so is New York a couple years ago. So whether it's going to happen six months from now, whether it's going to happen two years from now, I really don't know. But what I do know is the skill set that you have now is going to need a massive upgrade. Otherwise, you, being direct with you, probably will not be able to last in the business. So that's the truth, guys. And that's if you don't if you don't believe me, go and talk to somebody that was in the business, you know, 12, 15 years ago, and ask them what are the three things they would have done differently if they knew a market crash was coming. Here's what I'll t- promise you: they'll tell you, they would have had less debt, they would have saved more money in preparation for buying opportunities because that's what a market creates like this creates, and they would have had more skills to be able to uh, survive and thrive and compete in a changing market, let alone a buyer's market. That's what they would have told you for sure. So. Hey, guys, smart man learns from his mistakes. A brilliant man or woman learns from the mistakes of others. Why don't you be the second, not the first? Okay, Julie, warning, housing crash ahead, or is this just the new normal? Julie has got a great amount of statistical, really cool points that she's going to share with you guys. Write these down. Office managers, brokers, write all this stuff down. This is the information you must give to your agents so they can be prepared on their next listing appointment. Ms. Harris? Yes, so remember that knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance equals fear. So... Get out of fear and get into knowledge and confidence. Fact number one, home prices nationwide jumped 6.9% in April from a year ago, according to the latest monthly value report from CoreLogic, who studies and reports on this type of thing. 
Second point, while that is slightly less than the 7% annual jump in March, it's still making more and more markets unaffordable. Next point, of the nation's 50 largest housing markets, 52% were considered, quote, overvalued in April. And we'll talk about what that means in a second. So, uh, as sharp gains, I'm, you can interrupt me at any time. I just want to share some facts with them. Sharp gains in home prices continue. More markets are seeing values higher than their local economies can support. You made that previous point earlier. When do things start to change? When the buyer pool starts to say that's too much or they literally can't get financing because the amount of down payment that is required along with higher interest rates makes it so they cannot purchase. Prices nationwide jumped 6.9% in April from a year ago. We talked about that. Uh, of the considered overvalued. Now, CoreLogic determines affordability, quote, by comparing home prices to their long-run sustainable levels, which are supported by local market fundamentals, such as disposable income. According to them, as of March, 50% of markets then are considered overvalued. Uh, so that's considered when they are at least 10% higher than long-term sustainable level. Now, the same metric, 34% of the largest markets were considered at value, and still 14% are considered undervalued. Not all expensive markets, however, are considered overvalued. I thought this was very interesting. San Francisco, for example, where prices are up more than 12% from a year ago, is considered at value. Why? Because local incomes can support the area's prices. Boston is also considered at value. So who's considered overvalued? Not surprisingly, New York is on that list, Las Vegas and Los Angeles, as well as Denver, Washington, D.C., Houston, and Miami. CoreLogic revised its annual home price growth for all of 2008 to 5.3% instead of 5.2%. Now, this is what all of you guys are reporting. High demand, short supply continue to drive up home prices. The supply of homes has been dropping for three years. While more homes come on the market this spring, they've been selling at the fastest pace on record, according to NAR. Home builders are slowly ramping up production, but most of that is in the move up or luxury level, not at the entry level where most of the demand is. Sales of newly built homes fell in April, according to the US Census, even as supplies in that category rose. This is likely because of higher prices. The best antidote for rising home prices is additional supply, said Frank Nothaft, chief economist for CoreLogic. New construction has failed to keep up with and meet new housing growth or replace existing inventory. More construction of for sale as well as rental housing will alleviate housing cost pressures. Many of you guys know that because you're selling new construction when you can to your buyers. Rising mortgage rates also continue to weaken affordability. Rates have been rising steadily since this year. While they did take a step back last week as bond yields dropped, they're on the rise again this week. Mortgage applications to purchase a home have also been falling for several weeks. Some argue that improving economy will support higher home values. So far, that does seem to be the case. Overall, home sales have been weakening, but most blame that on lack of listings more than on weakened affordability, although higher prices have to be sidelining some buyers. Uh, extremely low inventory conditions in most markets are preventing sales from breaking out while also keeping price growth elevated, said Sam Cater, a chief economist for Freddie Mac. Even if rates climb closer to 5%, sales still have room to grow more, but only if current supply levels start increasing more meaningfully. So what does that do to all of our great podcast listeners and our coaching members? What are you supposed to actually do about this? Well, I think, Tim, you made an important point at the top of the call that this was reporting on national housing. Your own personal market, of course, is the most important thing for you to be watching. 
we do see inventory levels rising slightly in the 450 and up range. That was from a different report that I don't have in front of me right now. And many of our coaching clients are saying that that mid starting to be luxury, depending on what that means in your market, is starting to have longer days on the market, starting to have more inventory. So overall, inventory will still be low. This means you must be proactive to find properties. We're going to do a show tomorrow on how to find inventory when you think there isn't any. And I got news for you. The MLS is just one tiny little micro point on that list. So point but number Julie, one, what do you do with this? Recognize. Okay, so but there, there you go. No, no. You, what we talked about this morning is really where we need to go with this. So the question, guys, That's, do you have to ask yourselves? And this is what there's a couple. There's you know the demographics are completely different than they were ten years ago during the last housing crash. Completely different. Um, gener, uh, the the uh, millennials are now buying houses, and so that's that. And that's one of Julie's points. And I'm not going to talk over it. But here's really where you guys need to be thinking. Not what happens next in housing isn't going to be what happened before. Um, there's not going to be, in our opinion, and I see no reason to believe we're wrong about this, there's not going to be a big, huge, who pulled the carpet out from underneath us, you know, the housing markets in a free fall type experience. That won't happen. But what will probably happen, what most likely will happen, is there's going to be an increase in inflation. When there's an increase in inflation, you guys should Google and research this so you can explain this to your sellers, is that the prices of things increase. Now, you can argue the value of things increase, but we're not going to talk semantics. But the bottom line is, is that real estate prices, believe it or not, with inflation will increase. The basic reason to uh, understand this is because the cost of, re uh, of a new construction house will increase because of the cost of the materials to build the house. Like, don't be fooled into believing it's a political thing. It is what it is when there's inflation. Okay, when there's inflation, inflation essentially is in a very basic, uh, uh, you know, economics 101 class they teach you. What happens is when there's a lot of people trying to buy the same thing, it increases the value, thus increasing the price. It's that simple. That's what inflation in essence is. Monetary policy, politics, blah blah blah. Let's not even worry about that. So if you have something for sale at a garage sale and all of a sudden one person wants to buy it and five people want to buy it, you have yourself a little case of inflation where that product or whatever it is you were trying to sell all of a sudden is worth more because more people want it. Makes sense? You know, Julie and I are working on this new uh, studio for the uh, show and for our business, a little house we bought. And um, the uh, cost of my estimates from a year ago for things like steel have increased because the cost of steel has increased. Again, it's an inflation of the value of steel. Inflation will affect the value of houses. That's going to cause housing prices to increase even more. Believe it or not, inflation, uh, depending, now if it goes out, if it goes crazy, if all of a sudden it just goes wacko, then you're going to have the exact opposite happen because so few people will be able to buy houses that the values will actually, you know, then be adversely affected. But in the short run, which will be maybe a couple of years, there'll be inflation that enters into the housing market, which will cause prices of houses to increase. I know that sounds crazy considering what's happening in New York City, but that is statistically what happens in an inflationary environment. Now, with that said, it won't happen everywhere. Again, there's no national market. Markets are you know, very much dependent on lots of little local factors. How, you, it's just simple things, employment, simple things like 
the weather, simple things like future prospects for jobs, people's optimism about the longevity, that they're, how long they're going to stay in those communities, things like that. Those all affect real estate values. Um, but really, the biggest thing is is that baby boomers are downsizing and the millennials are buying their first houses. And those two massive forces of people with their trillions of dollars entering into the marketplace will probably cause a real solid floor uh, underneath house values that will not allow house values to drop immensely. Again, there will be exceptions, but for the most part, what I'm saying is true. Um, you know, whatever has done well – in the last 10 years, house, uh, house values, or I'm sorry, it, during last recession and then the last 10 years, will continue to do well. Those types of uh, homes and those types of communities will continue to do well. well they won't, uh, they'll inflate. Now, you won't necessarily get the real benefit of inflation in your coat. So your house is worth 300000 Let's say inflation uh, next year is 5%. Now it's worth 315000 But everything else that you have is also, or everything else you have to buy, has also inflated in value. So your cost of energy, your cost of groceries, your cost of shoes, your cost of a new car, everything else has gone up in value too. So even though on paper the inflation has caused the value of your assets to increase, it hasn't really, it hasn't really positively affected your life in any way whatsoever because your, the spending power of your dollars is also having to be stretched to uh, compensate for the inflated value of the other things in your life that you have to buy. Again, I don't want to make this overly wonkish. I'm making this as basic as I can, and I probably said two or things incorrectly, and an economist is going to email me and tell me this is how I should have explained it. But that's the basic way to understand how inflation affects the uh, markets. So the thought you have to have is in your marketplace, there, um, you know, especially if you're in one of these overpriced markets, you have to realistically, like Houston, okay? Houston's average income is $40,000, guys, and yet – in North Houston, average income is 40000 yet the average sale price, asking price for a house is 240000 That makes no sense whatsoever. So you have to see these things for what they're worth and, and anticipate that when houses start coming for, uh, coming for sale, uh, that they're going to have to have price reductions. And maybe in some cases the price reductions are going to result in the people being underwater in houses, and then you have the short sale conversation again. This is what is necessary, how you need to think in preparation for a changing market. Um, you have to measure and you have to gauge your market individually and then uh, plan accordingly. In other, in other words, basically hope for the best but prepare for the worst. So, Julie, let's go through these points. Yes, so recognize that you may see two different things within the same market. You might go on a listing presentation tonight at 650 or 750 in your market where there is more inventory, more competition, and longer days on the market. And tomorrow – you're going to list a first-time buyer home that's probably going to sell before midnight. So you've got to know your own local stats right down to your subject property and really study this stuff. Don't just count on your ability to just throw a dart at the wall and figure the market will, the market will get you your price. You'll still be right in some cases, but you'll be wrong in others if you're not paying attention. So point number two, you must be a listing agent because the listing agent always wins. Most of the frustration comes from the buyer side. However, it is related. How many listings right now are resisting listing with you right now because you haven't been able to find them anything to buy? You guys hear this constantly. I would move right now, but I don't know where I'm going to go to. So you've got to get in front of that conversation, and we're going to help you with that on tomorrow's podcast about finding inventory. Of course, we want you to be primarily a listing agent, but if, you know, many of your listings are also going to buy. So we've got to work both sides. Point number three, 
even if your market is changing to slightly longer days on the market, this is fantastic for listing agents because you can finally build inventory. Along the way, you have to make sure that you're communicating regularly with your sellers, learning your price reduction scripts, informing them of what's going on in the market so that you end up being the one that has the listing when it actually sells versus over-promising, under-delivering, and getting fired. Some of that happens in a changing market. Make sure you are not caught in that crosshairs. Many of our coaching clients are reporting longer days on the market in, high, in higher end uh, ends of the spectrum. So again, communicate, learn your price reduction. The best price reduction script is the one you never have to have because you priced it right in the first place. We'll talk more about that on future <laughs> calls. And uh, then, and we work a lot. Actually, it comes up all the time on our premier coaching calls. You know, thought I had it priced right. I've had three conversations with uh, elite coaching clients today, our private clients. By all means, it looks priced right on paper but showings have gotten really curiously slow. We're not dealing with a holiday, not dealing with any weird weather. Seems cost per square foot seems okay. Based on previous comps seemed okay, and yet hasn't sold yet. Early warning signs something is changing there. So, you know, not telling your seller, not keeping them informed, recipe to get fired, okay? So those are my, my five basic points, and of course tomorrow we're going to cap this off with different ways of finding inventory. I do think, and you and I talked about this this morning, I think that our newer licensed agents have a uh, leg up on this because they're being told from the get-go that the MLS is only one way of finding listings versus some of our more experienced agents that feel like that's asking them to do above and beyond in some kind of crazy search for a needle in a haystack. I challenge all of you on tomorrow's podcast to reset your mindset as if you got licensed today and I was your broker and Tim was your broker and we said, here are 16 ways to find inventory for your buyers who are looking and for your sellers who need to list but aren't doing it because you haven't found them anything to buy. These are the different ways that is normal to find inventory. I'm, I will have a statistic for you tomorrow what percentage of the market is selling in terms of uh, pocket listings. We've got lots of reports from our premier coaching clients that they're doing deals from open houses, sellers in the neighborhood who came to see the house, priced their own property, haven't got it on the market yet, becomes a pocket listing. They end up selling it because they knew it was available. Then that seller moves up. None of that makes it into the MLS. A lot of new construction deals don't make it into the MLS. So if you are being only addicted to that as your only source and continue to complain that I'll find it, but by the time it pops up, it's already sold, well, you're making less money and helping fewer people than you could by embracing knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. That means knowledge of how to find inventory because that problem, I think the, the prevailing thought I had from doing all my research this morning, Tim, was that the lack of inventory for the most part, that's not going to change anytime soon. You're, and to your point, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and have some announcement come across your TV screen saying, all right, housing market hit the fan. Now we're in a buyer's market. Well, Everybody but, across but, the board, but, you know, it's not going to happen Well, but like be that. careful on that, right? So be careful on that because it is, it has changed. If you're selling in LA um, and you have uh, inventory that's over, say, and I know some of you are going to roll your eyes when I say this, but it's over like five or six million, there it is a buyer's market. There's a lot for sale. The right. average days in the market in and certain parts of the, uh, uh, yeah, well, New York aside, New York we've already established as a buyer's market in almost all price points. Uh, but in like L.A., some, well, we have a lot of clients in California, and they're all saying, 
you know what the heck, Tim? I can't find anything to save my life. Well, find a buyer that wants to buy at a more expensive price point, and then you'll be awash with inventory options. Um, you know, it just depends where it is. So listen, guys, here's what matters. You understand that the market's going to change. It always does. That's the nature of it. What you don't maybe understand is how you can go about determining the viability of your market going forward. They're like we had. I remember the Kenmores. They Lance and Karen Kenmore. They have a 300, 400 unit per year real estate team. We've coached them. I don't even know for how long. 20 years, 10 years. I don't know. Forever. So their market did incredible during the last uh, housing crash. They actually essentially went from agents that were producing 75 to 100 to quadrupling their business or whatever it was during the recession, and they still they maintain that uh, level of production. Um, we've had other people who are selling coastal real estate. Just all they did was sell stuff that basically was hanging over the ocean on the West Coast. And they did incredibly well because what happened was people were putting money in places where they thought would be a solid investment because they weren't uh, happy with the stock market. They're insecure about other places to sock their money away. So if you're in a market like that where you have inventory that's you know where you could sell stuff like that, you might want to seriously consider uh, sharpening your axe and going after and going to war and learning how to go after those higher end price points because they really are recession proof. Any, I'll say this again: research any markets, find out inside your market what price points did really well at at least maintaining value, let alone increasing value during the last recession. And if they did, I promise you, during this next one or during a transitional time, which we're inevitably in right now, you're going to find that those markets are um, going to do just as well this time around. That's just basically the way it works. Uh, the best way to pick a winner is pick something that's been winning. <laughs> you know, there it is. That's how most stock guys, most security analysts, that's what they do. If it's got a long track record of winning, it probably is going to continue to win. Um, so that's how to think like a, uh, you know, a millionaire. That's how to think like a billionaire. That's how to think like somebody who runs money. That's where you get this information when Julie and I are giving information to you. As we talk with these folks that we know, we read things constantly. We listen to other podcasts. We consume as much information as we can. So we give you guys more than the typical raw, raw Mickey Mouse that other folks that are you know, claiming to you know, coach agents do. We want to give you guys the tactical and practical information so that you're over-prepared for any changes that are happening in the marketplace. Change is good. Don't label in your mind change as being bad. It's not. Change is wonderful. The greatest fortunes in the history of history have always been made during the greatest times of change. So listen, guys, if you need a free coaching call, just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. You can always email Julie and I directly, tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. We do check all of our own email, and we get all of our own email. We don't necessarily respond right away if we're traveling or whatever, but we will respond, okay? So that is my commitment to you. You all have a fantastic day, and we'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.